Minimalism, the art of keeping life simple. The new student is excited when he meets the master for the first time. He jumps at the opportunity and curiously asks, how do you practice Tao, master? The master says, when you are hungry, eat. When you are tired, sleep. The answer is so astonishingly simple to the student, he is confused, expecting something sagacious. But isn't that what everyone does anyway, master? No, says the master. Most people feed themselves with thousands of desires when they eat, and dream of thousands of designs when they sleep. Pondering deeply, the student nods, happy with the new insight. Allow me to introduce my friend Rob, the artist. And allow me to introduce my friend Phil, the therapist. How do we keep life simple, Rob? This is really about simplicity. Simplicity. I've got a good tip that just came to me. Share it with us. Learn to say no. That is one of the most powerful words Did you know that's one of the most universal words in most languages? No is no. No is no, and people understand no, even if that's not the word they use. No is a power word for sure. No is a very difficult word, seemingly impossible for some people. They have all these obligations, and they keep piling up the obligations with the word yes. There is a power, there is a superpower that you gain when you learn the art of saying no. I use that with my clients as a time management trick. Take things off your schedule. Today, let's talk about how to keep life simple, how we see it in art, how we hear it in music, how to live simply, how to think simply. How about eating simply? In the Tao, simplicity is the top value. So they speak of simplicity, patience, and compassion. Simplicity in actions and thoughts helps you return to your source of being. Simplicity in food. Food prep. Take those decisions off the table in advance. Healthy choices, right? If you prep your own food, you can pick good stuff. What's interesting to me on the food subject with simplicity, one thing that I observed when at one point I was taking a lot of things out of my diet. If you take all of the the salt or all of the spices away from things and really taste the food, food has layers to it. You don't even observe those layers because you typically cover up the real taste of the food. I was just in the South, and it's so true there. Butter, sugar, fried food. There's a place for all of those things, but when you overdo that, It takes away from what the food is meant to taste like. Subtlety, Phil. Subtlety is key. How many times, Phil, have you tasted a dessert that was made with a reckless amount of sugar? I just had one yesterday. (laughs) How many times have you tasted a savory dish that was made with a reckless amount of salt? Oh, and it ruins it. It reminds me of eating on a cruise or gourmet-style eating, it's all about the bite. Meaning, you might not get a big, huge plate full of food, 
but it's perfect. I've learned to appreciate the art of the really delicious bite. The first thing that comes to mind when you think about minimalism is getting rid of stuff. I have a lot to say about this. You'll have to cut me off, Rob. Go for it. I just saw this great documentary called Minimalism. How appropriate. To give you kind of the short version, these two minimalists were both working in corporate America. They talked about how enough was never enough. They started making enough money, but it wasn't enough. One of them speaks about working in the financial industry, and he was poised to become a director. They even called it, he was minted, meaning he was ready for a career. But he realized this was going to be as good as it gets. This would be all there would be. And the day he got offered the director position, he got on the elevator, went to the first floor, and walked away. They asked the question, what if you could have less anxiety, less stress, more time, more contentment, more peace, more joy? Who wouldn't want that? In the movie Minimalism, a documentary about the important things, and they talk about how we have too much. I want to say it's a stuff addiction. The author of Zen Habits said, we buy to fill this void inside ourselves, but the, the hunger's never filled. So we keep looking. When we get the new iPhone, another iPhone comes out, and it makes us feel like our first iPhone isn't good enough. It's never enough. You talked about organizing your stuff. These two guys, they got rid of everything, and they could carry around everything they needed in two carry-on bags. Well, that sounds like true minimalism. I think the reality is most people aren't going to get rid of all their things. I think we just need to have a compromise. Uh, the thing is, people will be offered temptations and products for eternity. The advertising industry, ad agencies, the fashion industry, they sell us on we need new. Old is not good. New is better. In the 80s, $100 million was spent on advertising. In 2006, $17 billion was spent on advertising. And here's the thought that is alarming to me. By the age of four now, most kids have a screen of some kind by the age of four. So what's happening is through games, ads on YouTube, in-app purchases, Companies are bypassing mom. Mom is no longer, I mean, you can put parental controls on the screens, but they're going around mom. During the movie Minimalism, they featured the tiny houses and they're perfectly designed. You have a living room, you have a kitchen, you have a place to sleep, you have shelves, you have drawers, and you have to pare down to your essentials. The thing I like about tiny houses is you could place them out in the country where it's peaceful, or you could probably find a lot downtown and put your tiny house right there. The challenge was, what if you took your 1,000-square-foot apartment and turned it into a 500-square-foot apartment? Simplicity is challenging. The Project 333 challenge, get your wardrobe down to 33 items for three months. There was a woman in the story who 
was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, and she realized she was going to need to do some drastic lifestyle changes. She had 33 things, shirts, pants, belts, earrings, and shoes. The funny thing about that challenge, Rob, I bet I could do that. And then you get rid of the stuff you didn't wear in those 33 days. That's the Martha Stewart way, is it not? If you look at it, you pick up an item in your closet and you say, have I worn this in the past year? If not, toss it or donate it. The life-changing magic of tidying up. There's four questions that you got to remember. They're really easy. Does it spark joy? Is it necessary? Does it work? Does it have a designated place to live? This is the KonMari method by Marie Kondo. She has this approach where she has you put all of your clothes in a big pile. And once you see this mountain of clothing, you go, why the heck do I have a mountain of clothing? I don't need a mountain of clothing. It's very freeing to, I recently just cleared out my entire closet and did some major organizing. I threw away so many things and donated so many things. This is a, a fast world we're living in, a complicated world. Like you said, the, the, the four-year-olds are <laughs> ordering things on Amazon in the middle of the night. There may be some things we could learn from simplicity and art that we can use to think about ways how we can make our own lives more minimalistic. Yes, minimalism and artwork, it's an extreme form of abstract art developed in the U.S. in the 60s. And these are very hard to talk about because they intentionally create their pieces of art many times in a sculpture form, sometimes in a painting. They intentionally make it devoid of personality. One of my favorite minimalist artists is Donald Judd. How ironic is the piece is called Untitled from 1972. And it's basically a box that's very simple. It has an, a red interior. Like you said, you don't stir up any emotion from that minimalism. However, some of his other work includes buildings and sculptures that are on a larger scale that have very simple curves and lines. The one thing it does emote is peace. There's something peaceful about a curved round structure that flows and you don't have to think about it. It's, it's very real. It is what it is. It's not trying to be anything it's not. It's a very genuine and authentic style of artwork. You nailed it with the word peaceful. That is what we are aiming for when we try to cut things down to simplicity. Now, I can tell you from a graphic arts perspective that a, a useful, functionally simple design is one of the most difficult things to achieve. Of course, the same would apply to a product design. Steve Jobs said, simple can be harder than complex. You have to work hard to get your thinking clean to make it simple. But it's worth it in the end because once you get there, you can move mountains. And continuing on that, that thought, from an actor's perspective, again, one of the most difficult things to portray 
is simplicity. Trying to portray the true minimalist human behavior, it can be counterintuitive. More so for a film actor than a stage actor, of course, because one may feel the need to do more, to make sure the audience gets it. You use that quote often, William Macy, when you're done with the scene, walk off the stage. That's exactly right. That's exa- I heard it from the uh, horse's mouth himself. What he said exactly was, when you've reached your objective in the scene, stop. This reminds me in public speaking, I like to boil down my one-hour talk to three to five words. When you get stuck and you forget a line, you can go back to, what am I trying to say? It's usually one to five words. What is my message today? And that's much harder. I'd much rather talk for an hour than 30 seconds. But sometimes all you need is that 30 seconds. For instance, a good filmmaker would understand that one reaction shot from an actor can sometimes say more than a page of dialogue. It's so true. An expression can say so much. Or from an editor's perspective, when you start cutting a scene, you may discover that that you don't need the, the opening line of a scene, or perhaps even the end of the scene. Quite possibly everything is said so beautifully with that little section in the middle, that, that, origin, that part that originally seemed so insignificant. Sometimes it says everything in just one simple moment. But how you can apply that in your real life, like we were saying, when you've achieved your objective. Stop. How many times have you been in a situation where maybe an interview, for instance, and it goes well, it goes fantastic. It goes better than you could have ever dreamed. And you're about to leave. And then all of a sudden, you probably don't want to do my criminal background check because that time I was in prison might show up. Or, yeah, you start you start to have some small talk or they ask you a question of small talk and you you take the bait. And all of a sudden you've said this. You've said the stupidest things you've ever could have. And you, you, you jump out of your body. Your soul jumps out of your body and slaps you around like the Three Stooges and says, <laughs> what in the hell are you doing? Stop. Cut it off. <laughs> when you have reached your objective, stop. Get the stop and get the hell out as soon as possible. So minimalism in art can be defined as truth, being authentic, being genuine, order, simplicity, and harmony. And there's no other better place that that is displayed than minimalist music. Order, simplicity, harmony. Now, here's something to think about. Minimalist music, I think one naturally would think it's just a couple of notes. And that is the case a lot of the time. But it's more about these small alterations, measure by measure. It's always progressing, but just not all at once. You have to listen to it to understand it. There are two pieces I've got to talk about here that I believe everyone should write down and go listen to. And I think the best way to do that, I wouldn't normally do this. Who would read YouTube comments? Because most YouTube comments are horrible, right? <laughs> They're just oh, terrible. They They're like the wor- worst of humanity. But what's, but what struck me, the, the YouTube comments on both of these, I'm going to read you some from both. The first piece, it's an album called A Rainbow in Curved Air. Terry Riley. Now, let me read you some of these comments. There is one person 
who talked about how back in 1971, they were attending college and they had the 1 to 3 a.m. slot at the college station. So that, of course, was the experimental time slot. He writes, my audience was insomniac speed freaks completing assignments or cramming for tests, and I played a rainbow in curved air to start every show. It's 18 minutes long, for the record. <laughs> I had a phone in the control room, and you would not believe the number of calls I got from nearly incomprehensible college students asking what planet exactly this music had come from. Here's another. I wasn't about to click on this, but then I did. Possibly one of the best decisions of my life. Here's one. Me and my dog like it. <laughs> another one says, this sounds exactly like the slot machine section of a casino. And then another one says, lying in the dark on my bed, listening to the LP and all surroundings disappeared. Felt like I hypnotized myself. Another, take a moment out of your life and listen to this piece without any other distractions. Another, this is amazing. It's like a rich, deep meditation. It makes me so happy and stimulates my brain and heart at the same time. What a discovery. I have to say, in my opinion, a rainbow in curved air it was a sort of a groundbreaking arpeggio of synth patterns over and over again, but it's that really great old synthesizer sound that inspired tubular bells. It inspired Pete Townsend for The Who, Won't Get Fooled Again, and Baba O'Reilly. Which that title is his name, Riley. A Rainbow in Curved Air came out in 1969. Another minimalist artist is Philip Glass, and his Glass Works came out in 1982. And I will read you some of those YouTube comments now. Life has brought me to my knees again, so I've ended up here again. I'm extremely thankful for this upload. Gratitude to Philip Glass and Ensemble. Someone replies saying, completely agree. This music puts devastation into perspective or rather, gives it a beat. Another listener says, our music teacher told us something I remember quite well. Listen to ambient and minimalist music from time to time. It's a lot cheaper than a shrink. <laughs> That's a great piece of advice. The next one, tears. Not sure how I ended up listening to this. Not sure how I'll eventually stop. Someone else says, I use this to hypnotize me into finishing my essays. So those are some pretty great endorsements, I would say, to go listen to these two pieces of music. The Glassworks is, is pretty long, 40 some odd minutes, I believe. When you're trying to complete tasks, if you have to type an email, put on Glassworks. If you have to do accounting work, put on Glassworks. It will actually stimulate your brain and help keep you focused. The minimalist music actually helps calm and bring peace to your brain. And from what I've noticed, the musical themes, they're very solid. It's fifths and fourths. It's not any strange, crazy scales that are going on. The chords may change, but they feel like they're in a, a central root 
and it keeps the root going, which also helps your brain. Like you said earlier, Rob, we're getting hit with a lot of stimulation these days. Emails, voicemails, text messages, swipe left, swipe right. Glassworks or the Terry Riley pieces, they help your brain let go and sort of process or brain dump. Instead of having to manage a lot of input, you get a very steady flow. Leonardo da Vinci said, simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. So we've talked about minimalism in art, music, and even lifestyle. I have some next steps for us all. We talked about the KonMari method. Go through your stuff, people. Go through your clothes. Challenge yourself and ask yourself, when was the last time I wore this? Does it really spark joy for me? Do I look good in this shirt? Or is it that t-shirt from the team building exercise 20 years ago? Let it go. Remember, when you're shopping, cheaper is not necessarily better. The minimalists talk about a junk culture. We are struggling with fast fashion and junk culture. Fast fashion means in the past we had two seasons. You dressed for the cold. You dressed for the heat. That soon became spring, summer, winter, fall. Now it's 52 seasons a year. Fast fashion means as soon as you buy this shirt, it's going to be out of fashion next week. I think that has dribbled over into our lives with all of our things. Also, challenge yourself Ask yourself, what's really important in my life? I'm going back to meditation. Meditation may not be everyone's cup of tea. Maybe not everybody likes to meditate. I have a generous definition of meditation. You can put some music in your headphones and go walking. I give credit for that kind of meditation. You can sit for five minutes on your front porch listening to the sounds of outside. Ask yourself, what's truly important to me? And what do I want to try and see happen today? The simple things in everyday life. Be mindful and stop and ask, hey, if my goal is to get this one thing done, am I on track? Am I off track? The last thing I have to throw in there because we forgot it earlier, when you're trying to sell something or when you're trying to express something, Remember these words, a confused mind says no. When humans are confused, they will undoubtedly, instinctively say no. If you remember only one thing today, let it be this, a confused mind says no. I'd like to close our discussion of minimalism with a Swedish proverb. Fear less, hope more, eat less, chew more, wine less, and breathe more, talk less, and say more, love more, and all good things will be yours. 
Thanks for listening to the Artist and the Therapist podcast. Subscribe. We want you back. Contact us at info at taattpodcast.com.